Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to Amplified. We have a local show here in D.C. How exciting is that after traveling to Florida for the last five days or so, actually eight days, and I'm back in this lovely cold weather. And the guest we have today, I would not know if it was not for Gayla, who is going to be coming on the show in a second. Gayla, how are you doing? Are you uh, enjoying this weather? Uh, hi, Steve. Uh, how are you, Ken? Um, actually, I'm really ready for spring. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's you are. It's a little cold. But, well, uh, yes, I'm, uh, every day is a good day. Well, Gayla Bynum started, founded We Will Survive Cancer, and I'd like you to share with the guest why you did that and, and what the mission of We Will Survive Cancer is. Um, we Will Survive Cancer was started in 2009. Uh, my daughter-in-law, Michelle Bynum, was, a, uh, was going through cancer treatment and, since 2005. And in 2009, she was the spokesperson for Cohen. Austin, and had in that amount of time, had raised over $125,000 for the organization. Uh, I watched her go through um, her treatment and also the, the really good work that she did for other people that didn't have the same kind of support she did with, with taking them on, uh, from their chemo treatment sometimes, even though she had had her own for five and a half years. And giving food, and taking care of children. She had wonderful support, but she found out that other people didn't have the same. So that was, uh, the inspiration was overwhelming to me. I just didn't realize that that, uh, that happened with cancer patients. Well, I applaud you because for you to be a leader, I know that you have done so many amazing things, so many that it's incalculable. When you're a power of one person, you're creating events, and you're bringing people together, bringing community together to raise money for those that are in need and those that need support. You're such a champion and you've been honored in, I think, roughly three key smiling books as a person who is a community leader, a thought leader, and someone that really makes a difference in the D.C. and D.M.V. area. I, uh, I know also that our guest coming up has written a multitude of books, and we're not going to have a chance to go into all of them because we only have an hour to play with here. But you did something that was actually extraordinary in that regard, too. You created a book, and that book came yes. out two years ago. And when that book came out, I, uh, I have to say you were the project manager you, you wrote the book, you helped uh, make a lot of decisions, and you were very involved in the book. Uh, tell, tell the audience what the book is called and why you wanted to do that book. Uh, the book is Don't Waste My Cancer, uh, based on uh, a slogan that my daughter-in-law, Michelle, created. Don't Waste My Cancer was one, and Eat Life with a Big Spoon was one. Uh, Don't Waste My Cancer is the a book of 20... Uh, persons who've had cancer, some living, some not, and uh, telling their stories and, uh, you know, uh, from a positive standpoint that even though you have cancer, that there, there is hope and there are things that you can do to create um, a life for yourself that's not um, dismal. And so even Gaffney is one of uh, the persons that is in the book. It's... Uh, Stephen's story is quite uh, impressive 
and powerful. And actually, a lot of them are. Uh, that, that book is a phenomenal read. It's very inspirational. With the money that you made in the book and the money you are able to fundraise at the events, how many people are you able to help each year? Uh, we roughly, uh, well, at Christmas this past year, we helped 264 people that we equated to 64 families. And w- what we do is... Um, at the beginning of the year, we go to different organizations and say, I know that you have people that are going through cancer that really don't have a lot of money and can't provide Christmas for their children. Could you please get a wish list from them and let us, uh, you know, provide Christmas for them? So in 2009, we started out with two families. Last year, as I said, we did 64 or 244 people, but we, uh, we help other people besides that during the year with electricity, with rent with um, other kinds of things that they might not be able to do, like transportation cards, gift cards. Um, And, of course, what we can do depends on how much money we happen to have in the bank at that time. And how can people that listen to this show today live and also later, how can they contribute? Um, Our website is www.wewillsurvivecancer.org. Or they could possibly get in touch with me. My phone number is 202-257-7930. And my personal email is gala at wewillsurvivecancer.org. And we'll go ahead and make sure that information is available on Facebook and on the podcast when we release it. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to make sure you acknowledge people in the past that have led up to our guest today. So you've given... Uh, and a word out, an acknowledgement each year for, I don't know how many right. years, but if you'd like to say who those people were that you acknowledge, I'd, this is the time to do it. Uh, yes, and uh, this year we're so honored to have Stephen uh, be uh, our honoree. We uh, met Stephen in 2009 when Michelle was actually going through cancer, and she and Stephen were in having... Uh, we're in uh, treatment at the same time, both bald and both bonded. Uh, hmm. he, uh, Stephen became a very special friend to us. And uh, so we were, uh, you know, uh, his story is amazing. He's a motivational speaker and speaks all around the country. And uh, I, I love his topics of, let's be honest, just, just deal in honesty. And it makes such a difference in the world. Now, you have an event coming up, but uh, you had, who was last year's honoree? Uh, last year's honoree was Cher Matthew. And okay. um, uh, the year before that was Ginger Vujic. This is our fifth year. And, okay, awesome. Um, so, uh, Terrain Lynch before that and Greg Babcock. And many of those stories are, are in the book, Don't Waste My Cancer. The, and, the event uh, this year is at the National Press Club, and it's May 12th. Um, at 6.30, and we would love to have everyone join us. How can you buy tickets? Uh, the tickets are available on Eventbrite. Are They're available on uh, Facebook, uh, on my page, Gala Bynum, or Don't Waste My Cancer page, or We Will Survive Cancer page. And I think they're available also on our website. And they'll be available also on Amplified as well as the Umbrella Syndicate and my personal page. And I'm so excited to be a part of that event. So why did you choose? How did uh, Steve Gaffney become the honoree this year? 
Well, it was a unanimous decision with our board because we all know Stephen and we've all been very uh, motivated by Stephen and the wonderful work that he does in the community and uh, for cancer. Well, Gayla, thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're really busy and it means a lot to me that you could share how important Stephen is. And also, I want to acknowledge you for the great work you've done being a leader for We Will Survive Cancer and helping the community actually deal with a very tough topic like going through an un- a state of unwellness. So thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Ken, I, for giving me this platform and for also uh, Stephen. Stephen means so much to We Will Survive Cancer. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and introduce him, bring him on the show. And if you want to mute your phone and enjoy it, and it'll be available tomorrow, of course, as well for you to share it with your communities. So, Stephen, thank you. So, Stephen Gaffney, I met several years ago only because of Gala and We Will Survive Cancer in one of her many events. And I was so impressed by him, his, the way he presents himself. He's got a very peaceful and confident state. He is uh, very soft-spoken from a standpoint of that piece. And I wanted to, I'm so excited to have him on this show. So for 25 years, Stephen Gaffney has been a world-renowned as a leading expert in honest communication, high-performance teamwork, and successful organizational change. He can solve any of the team or ch- uh, change problems within hours, if not minutes. And he does it without going deep dark psychology. So I want to welcome Steve Gaffney onto the show. Steve, how are you doing? Great. Thank you for having me. And I, I don't know if Gayla's still on, but it's great to hear you, Gayla. And, and I'm very honored to receive the award and, and uh, the May 12th event is going to be fantastic. Well, um, I was going to ask about the event at the end of the show, but since that's kind of the transition here, uh, what did it mean for you to find out that you were the honoree and uh, what, is, what does it look like for you as far as being part of this event? Well, I'm truly honored and extremely humbled by receiving the, you know, the award and the May 12th event means everything because what it really means is us being able to raise money for the terrific organization, which in turn helps out so many people. And it also helps to raise the awareness on just a major, major problem and often a disaster for people's lives. In fact, just some interesting statistics, because it's so easy to just write off this issue or cancer as just horrible, and you know we've all met or had people in our lives who've gone through this, but I don't think we realize how prevalent this issue is and how it, if it hasn't impacted us, it will. One out of every two men will be diagnosed with cancer sometime in their lifetime, and one out of every three women will be diagnosed with cancer sometime in their lifetime. Every minute, just about, every, every minute, somebody dies of cancer in the U.S. So when the show is all done, 60 people will have lost their lives. And just think about how many people are impacted by that loss. Um, it's, just, it's just horrible. And, you know, we spend a lot of money on fighting terrorism, which I agree. And we spent a lot of money on protecting our country. But you look at this issue and you just got to say, my gosh, we have to do something more. And this organization, We Will Survive, cancer, what it does is it, it, it raises the awareness and it really supports people's lives so they can deal with this horrible disease. So we really have to look at this issue and say, what are we going to do about it? May 12th raises the awareness and actually is a great fundraising event. And I am going to give a speech. I kind of formulated but what my goal of my speech is so when people have listened to it, that their lives are better as a result. Well, I'm glad to hear you're attending this uh, event on May 12th. That excites me quite a bit. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it'd be better. It'd be good that I show up. Huh? <laughs> so here's here's kind of a wacky question for you. Um, okay. I, I had kind of a, a way this show is going to go, but I, I'm going to throw a couple things at you. So because cancer is something we don't welcome, when we do get it, it sounds like in a weird way, it was a gift that you actually appreciated life more and it was a gift and that you actually took on a different way of living life. Well, so I want to push back a little bit because I think a lot of people say, you know, it's a gift and I learned all this stuff and I can go down that path, but words have power. Cancer is not a gift. It's a horrible situation. We need to eradicate this, number one. Number two is if, we, if we're going through it, then I think we, have, we only have one choice, right? You can't choose cancer, but given that it happens to us or happened to a loved one, how are we going to move forward? So the reason why I say this is I think it's often new agey and a lot of stuff people say, you know, I received so many gifts, my life is better, and I can share with you how my life is better as a result of going through it. But I would never wish or even imply or even go down a path of saying to somebody about, well, you know, you'll be better from it. Hopefully, if they survive it, they will, and their loved ones will be able to deal and move forward. But it's a horrible, horrible disease. So, yes, I can speak about things that I've learned and grown in life, but it's just words have power, and we really have to look at this. And what I want to do is we need to declare war on cancer for real, not some fake terminology that we throw out as politics. People throw out when they're in politics. We need to really make something happen here. Okay, so I so, can go through what, what I learned, Ken, but I just want to immediately catch what I think a lot of people go down the path, and it's just a horrible, horrible situation. Why don't we talk about a couple of things you learned? And then I do have a couple of questions with regard to eradicating cancer. So go ahead and talk about what you learned. So first of all, there's nine lessons I learned, and anybody who's listening to this who wants an article about what I, you know, what I drew from that experience and they can share with others, hopefully that will make a big difference to them. So they're welcome to that. They just have to send us an email, and we'll make that happen. So they can send it to our website, um, you know, info at stephengaffney.com, but they need to say that they listen to your show, and then we'll send it to them, info at stephengaffney.com. But, um, but here's, here's something I, I want to say right off the bat that I learned is how short time really is. You know, somebody once said to me, when you're a kid, you know, <laughs> I just watched this whole thing on Einstein and, you know, the, <laughs> the theory of, you know, general relativity and, you know, about time and all this, but you really think about it, when you're a little kid, um, a year is an eternity, but the older you get in life, time moves fast. And what I learned from my cancer experience is I can't just put off things one day to get to it. So, uh, before cancer, I, nobody in my family had really had, you know, really much of the cancer experience. In fact, I was so shocked to even get it. And what, you know, so I lived like, well, you know, my grandfather lived till ninety nine, my other grandmother lived till ninety three, um, and my other grandmother lived till eighty eight, and my grandfather, who actually smoked, died of cancer. But I think he was sixty six at the time. I might have gotten that off, but anyway. But so for the most part, what I drew from that experience is if you live a normal, healthy life and, you know, you take care of yourself, you'll live forever or like a long time. That's just not the case. Cancer is very random. So what I learned from this experience is life is very, very, very short. And so you've got to seize the moment today. So somebody's listening to this show and they're saying, you know, well, I have a problem with my relative or, you know, I got in a fight with whoever. And they're thinking, here's my coaching. Get it handled. Make the call today. Because time is so precious. You don't know how long you have on this planet, and you definitely don't know how long the people that you love and care for and around you in your life, how long they have. So move out today. 
And I say this because if somebody's like, well, I have an issue in my life and I'm not sure how to approach it. Well, the good news is I figured out a nine-step formula on how to resolve all these issues. If they send me an email, I'll send them the nine-step formula. And and it's not costing them anything. I just want people to get their issues handled because time is so precious and move out today. So that's one big wake-up call because before I thought, ah, I'll just get to it one day. She just don't know how long you have. I totally agree. And I, I, I know you have other things to share, but I wanted to ask you, I guess, a question that maybe some people have that don't have cancer. Is there a way to prevent it? I'd heard um, in the scientific community, or at least in the wellness community, that if you can have a less acidic uh, uh, environment in your body, that it's harder for cancer to thrive. Well, that's beyond my pay grade, right? <laughs> Being okay. a doctor, okay. a medical professional, I really don't know. I do know that there's a lot of things out there that people say make a difference and often have proven medically not. Um, but then there's a lot of things out there that we just don't know, um, mostly what we don't know. And so, my, so I can't comment on that. What I can comment on is we need to do much, much more in this country and as a world as a whole. I mean, just think about how much money we put to all these other things, and yet every minute within the U.S., just about somebody's going to die of cancer. And one out of every two men, so if you're a man listening on this, you've got a 50-50 chance of getting this. And if you're a woman listening to this, you've got a, a third, you know, 33 point, whatever, 333 chance, a third of a chance of getting it. And here's the thing, even if you escape not having it, how about your loved one? So we've right. got to do a lot more. So I don't know. I'm not a, uh, a doctor, obviously, but this is not nearly good enough. And one of the things I think that the cancer community has to do better is they've got to, we've got to take the brightest and strongest minds in the, uh, in the community, the medical professionals, and formulate what I think is a massive team that actually goes ahead and tackles this. I think the cancer community is way too splintered. So we need to move out together and really make a huge difference. So we have to do more. Okay, so with regard to your cancer, uh, you had testicular cancer, and you had shared, I think, live at an event I saw, that it was an easier cancer to overcome. How, how often do men get testicular cancer, or prostate cancer for that matter? Well, it's a good question. I don't know how often, but, it's, um, uh, but I, I do know the good news about testicular cancer is it's one of the few cancer do- uh, cancers that the doctor looks at you and says, we know how to handle this, and you're basically going to be cured. Most cancers are not that way. So, I mean, I got lucky. And so uh, it's, it's, it's one of the few cancers that, you know, it's like a, it was a pain to kind of handle. With, you know, you got surgery, you got chemo, you got things. But the doctor and Dr. Einhorn, who I went to, who's the best in the world related to testicular cancer, that's his specialty, he said, look, you're going to get this thing handled. And so I was one of the lucky few who to get cancer who, who can, had a doctor and, and knew my outcome. I was never in question, you know, am I going to survive on this? Am I going to live? But most people who um, encounter this horrible, horrible disease, they're not exactly sure what's going to happen. And so it, it, this, is, it, this is a big deal. In fact, one of the interesting side points, and I, I did, when I tell this story, it, you, people are going to think I'm a weirdo, but I'm just going to share it because first, you know, there are many stages of how, what you do with when you get cancer. The first one was shock. I mean, I said to the doctor, are you sure? Because uh, why don't you just double check this? And I'll never forget the, the, the doctor I went to. I said, can I get a second opinion? He said, sure, today. You've got to get this handled today. Or, you know, by the end of the week, I needed an operation. But the point is, he needed to move out on it. But there's so many situations where people are unsure. And, you know, you, sit, you, you think of situations like this, 
And it's what's, where are we going with this and what's the outcome? And so my cancer situation was, um, was easy, but here's what I meant by the, being kind of a weirdo. Um, so I was shocked. Then I felt sorry for myself, you know, and wallowed in that for a while. And then I started going through my treatment. And Ken, I realized that people have it way worse than me. So here's where I was became like literally a weirdo, but I mean, I actually felt guilty for only getting testicular cancer because I'm thinking I got it this easy. Because and no, that sounds so weird to people, but you just start to realize, my gosh, how horrible the situation is, and how many people battle, and their life is imbalanced, and their loved ones have to deal with that. And I got it easy, so I was sitting in a chemo chair, and people say, you know, what kind of cancer? I was like, oh, I just got testicular cancer. I, you know, it's like. One of those easier ones. So I know it sounds weird, but I say this because there's just weird things that go through your mind when you get cancer, and that was one of them. Well, I, I have to tell you, uh, I, and I was going to hold this at the end of the show, but you are definitely a weirdo, and everyone has told me you're a weirdo. So <laughs> now it's <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask you: Are testicular cancer? Think about honesty. What's the big takeaway? Um, but, you know, well, it is, you know, but to your your point, where we're headed with this. You know, being transparent, I want to be as transparent as possible because there's a lot of things that I, I, now going through that experience and given what I do for a living, you know, going out and giving these speeches on communication motivation, you know, I think I have a certain platform to explain things so that people start to realize it's just, a lot of the stuff isn't so easy, but we've got to talk about it. Like, I'll give you another thing that I realized. You know, when I got cancer, um, many people who I thought would call me and be there and support weren't. And many people I never dreamed of who would call me and support me did. And what I realized is, it, and I first was mad, right? I was like, the people that I love and care for, some of them, they just didn't call, like some friends. And then I was mad at them, and I was like, you know, they're not really a great friend. And then I realized something that was eye-opening. When people don't know what to say, they often don't say anything, and that's right. the absolute worth situation. Yep. So here's my big takeaway. If you've got somebody in your um, life who's going through a difficult situation, whether it's cancer or just whatever, maybe depression, whatever it is, and you're sitting there going, I don't know what to say, maybe they don't want to talk about it, call them up and say this. Look, I love you, I care for you. I don't know what to say, so I just want to say that I'm thinking of you. And all I can say as a, a cancer you know, uh, survivor and going through this is the person will dig, share with you where they want to go. Some don't want to talk about it. I was willing to talk about it, but some don't want to go there. And some people don't want to go there when there's a big problem in their life. But they'll tell you. But the absolute worst thing you can do is say, well, I don't want to bother that person, and they're going through a lot. You know what? When you go through something like that, it's very, very lonely. You're surrounded by people who do love and support you, hopefully, but still a very lonely disease because you feel like you're alone. So when people are going through a difficult situation and you're not sure what to say, just reach out to them and say, look, I love you, care for you, whatever's the appropriate thing to say. And say, look, I just don't know what to say, but I want you to know I'm thinking of you. And is there anything I can do for you? That's a great point, Stephen. And I'll say that when my mom had Alzheimer's, I had done some work with Landmark Education. I think we've had a conversation about that before. So I was, I think, more equipped to have a conversation like the one you just recommended. But my brother and sister, whether they went through Landmark or not, they're very successful people, and they avoided the conversation. They basically, they, they, they moved out. They, they vacated, even though they're only five miles from my dad's house, my mom's house. They, they couldn't handle it, and so we didn't hear from them except for on vacations. I mean, I'm sorry, on holidays. So that's such a great point that you bring up. And in fact, you do. 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ken. Go ahead. No, no, please finish your point. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, so my point was I felt for my dad how alone he must feel and that they were judging how, the, how my mom was supposed to be treated, whether she was supposed to go to a, a, you know, a, a senior home or whatever, instead of actually just being there for both of them and just saying, what can we do to support what you've decided? And, and so your point was really hit me hard. Yeah, and you just triggered, the reason why I started interrupting, because it, you sharing what you just shared just triggered another point that I realized. You know, people, when they see somebody else go through a situation that's very tough, not only do they not know what to say, but it also brings up a tremendous amount of their own insecurities, because what they're not saying, you know, a big part of what I do in the workplace is, you know, the biggest thing is not what people say, it's what they don't say. And what I realized that a lot of people don't know how to say, and they may not even be that self-aware, but they're kind of worried or they are worried that it would happen to them or somebody in their life. And they just don't know what to do or it brings up their own insecurities. Let me give you a specific example. When I got diagnosed with cancer, a very good friend of mine said to me, well, you know, Stephen, you, you get stressed and you work really hard and you don't always take good care of yourself. And I was thinking to myself as he's talking, what do you think? I like I brought this on myself. I, you know, it's my fault. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. But the <laughs> point, you know, here's what I realized, though, Ken. It was it was really his own secure insecurity because what he's trying to do is rationalize. I don't want to get cancer, so I'm voicing the difference. And once I got that, I realized that this buddy of mine. He's a very good friend of mine. He meant it with the best of intentions. So at first, I was getting mad. And then I just realized that it just is a reflection of how he feels inside. So why am I bringing this up? Because for some people, the reason why they disconnect and they don't help out with, you know, maybe situations they should is because they don't have the self-awareness, self-confidence, um, or the ability to deal with their own insecurities and, and, and worries. And so they just disconnect because it's too much for them to handle. So what can you do if you're going through something like that and you need that person who's checked out? You've got to call them and say, look, hey, you know, I know you're going through your stuff and maybe related to what's happening with me, but I need you. And so whatever you can do, just, just uh, I need you. And that's another thing. You know, people often are afraid to ask for help. You've got to really ask for help. So in life, if you're going through cancer, you're going through depression, you're going through whatever situation – you got to let people know what you're up to so that they can help you. And so ask for help. Reach out. Exactly. And uh, this is the best advice you could probably give anyone because of what you said earlier about the percentage of people that are actually affected by this. So I do have two quick questions for you. They may be quick questions before we go to break, and I'm getting a signal from the producer that we're going to break soon. So first question is, is there any correlation to wearing tidy whities and getting testicular cancer? <laughs> well, that would be a revealing answer, wouldn't that be on this show? <laughs> a good time to have a humor moment in such a serious uh, subject, so uh, I have no idea. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, as, as funny as it is, and I do agree, I, I was trying to add some humor to this show, but uh, the, the other thing is that I have been advised to wear boxers because there is an issue with actually the, the tidy whities bringing the, testi- uh, the testicles closer to the body and changing the temperature and not and having more of an abnormal experience for them. So I was just wondering <laughs> if you knew anything about that. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I just have okay. no idea something like that. Well, 
So the second question is kind of related a little bit. It's uh, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs had prostate cancer, if I recall, and he was told this is a simple thing. Yeah, he had pancreatic cancer, I think. Okay, right, okay. And thank you for that. And he was told that he had like a 96% chance of overcoming it and being healthy, and he said, no, I have my own ideas, and he overthought it and got, uh, I guess, Western medicine to take care of it. And by the time he decided it wasn't working, he came back to the U.S. and it was very, very dismal chance of him overcoming it. So any comments about that? Well, actually, I'd heard something totally different. So, and you may be right, but what I had heard is he had pancreatic cancer and pancreatic cancer. And again, I'm not a medical professional, but you tend to have about two years um, max. And it's, I mean, it's a deadly, deadly form of cancer. And in fact, I think he survived seven years because he did a lot of other things. Now, there's variations of pancreatic cancer. Again, I'm not a doctor. So I'd actually heard almost the opposite. So, Ken, it's, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, if well. What you're saying is true. That's actually really interesting. It's just counter to what I've heard, and I, but I'm just relying off my memory anyway. Well, I guess I have some homework to do on Google because I saw with my son yesterday the, uh, the 2017 largest domino uh, competition where I think it was, I don't know, 17 million dominoes, whatever it was, it was a lot. And the largest portrait ever d- done with dominoes was of Steve Jobs. And so he kind of came to mind in this conversation naturally. So I will get that answer and I will post it at, with a link to Wikipedia or Google and we'll both learn something. How about that, Steve? But, yeah, but and <laughs> here's the thing um, about this. I think here's a good takeaway about Steve Jobs is, look, you can have all the amount of money you have. You can have this and there's just there's no escaping this disease because you look at it. So I don't know. Maybe he didn't have a good health regimen. And I don't know if that would even contribute or not contribute. But here's a guy who has all the money in the world and still. So, I mean, people have all kind of rationalizations in their head, but we've got to take this disease on. It's not good enough where we're going. And I don't believe we have these splintered groups that are and obviously all trying to help out. And, you know, I'm talking about medical splintered groups. And um, it's good enough. We've got to pull the best and the brightest minds. You know, I just watched um, the Einstein show, you know, Genius on National Geographic. Terrific right. um, uh, documentary. But, can I, uh, but just real quick on this, which, um, one of the things that is we brought the, uh, the best minds to, you know, to figure out the atomic bomb. Now, that's a horrible, you know, situation, obviously, the atomic bomb. But here's the thing. We brought together the brightest minds. Why not do that and eradicate this disease off the face of this earth? I believe we can. I agree with you. And what we're going to do is we're going to maybe touch on this topic on the second segment, but I really want to go deeper into honest communication, the books you've read, and the message you have when you're actually on the road and you're actually helping people become more profitable, more efficient, and more successful. So we'll be back in a couple minutes to hear more from Steve. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best freshest gluten-free ingredients the best part is the menu is always new and fresh just like the food and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast lunch or dinner and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes 
My family loves the choices and the taste and Freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Wow, that first segment went by like a snap, I'll tell you. And it was all about We Will Survive Cancer, the event coming up May 12th. And if you want to attend that event... Meet Steve Gaffney. This is the time to do it. He is actually giving away his his message, his soul, and also his book at the event. So anyone that attends is going to be able to take a part of this message and the show and him back and actually apply it to their life. So the second part of the segment is going to be more about Steve Gaffney and what he does with his honest communication. And I want to start off by saying thank you, Steve, for really being vulnerable in the first segment and sharing uh, what you went through with testicular cancer, and I want to ask you what life was like when you grew up, and did something happen in your childhood or early on in life that caused you to be who you are today? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, I grew up in Bethesda, Maryland, and so what happened that helped me shape who I am today? Well, um, you know, it's a good question, because when I graduated from college, even though I did really well, I mean, graduated, I mean, I'm saying the following thing because in the end it'll be um, uh, hopefully insightful and maybe inspiring. But I graduated from college, the top 1% of my um, college and then the very top of my major. So people say, well, why is he saying that? It sounds like he's trying to be arrogant and egotistical. No, because the other thing is I had no idea nor had I decided what to do for a career. And pretty much... I, when I got out of college, I didn't even know, and I stumbled from job to job, and then eventually I found what I do today, which I could share more about the transition. But, I, but what I was driven by is I, I have to figure out what I love to do, and so I didn't know what I love to do, but I tried different jobs, and if I didn't like it, I just quit, which not necessarily is the best thing, and it made it a lot harder. And ultimately, I found out what I do, you know, stumbled on what I do for a living, but I didn't even know people made a living on it. So I can share with you how I came upon this profession, and then all the pieces kind of fit together, and I can share that if you want. Yeah, that'd be great. So um, basically, I was an agent for uh, photographers, you know, commercial photographers, and then I picked up some film and radio commercial directors, and I had a business partner out of Bethesda. And... 
Um, and she was doing really well. As a whole, the agency was doing okay, but she was doing really well, and I was doing only okay in in this in the selling area of that, you know, with the, with the photography and whatnot. But what happened is there was a photographer's um, convention that came into town, and I decided I asked them if I could do a seminar for them on communication motivation. So I did a very my very first seminar was in the convention center, and as soon as I did it, I just fell in love with the profession. I was like, "Wow, this is great! I love helping people, designing things, and really making a difference in people's lives." So I would do these speeches, on, you know, these sessions on the side while I kept on being, you know, an agent, and. Um, and, and eventually my business partner, she wanted the business for herself. And so I decided to open up my own shop related to doing seminars and then turned into consulting. And at first it was very rudimentary around communication, motivation as a whole. And then eventually I stumbled on um, honest communication and I found out about that through Dr. Brad Blanton. He wrote a book called Radical Honesty. And that sort of me down the, the path of really the key to being successful in life both personally and professionally, is about honesty. But when, and, and I took it in a particular direction, which I want to share because it's really important. Because as soon as people hear about honest communication, what they're thinking is it's about ethics, you know, right and wrong. But that's not really where I go down the path. The actual biggest problem is not the outright lies. This is not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is not what people say. It's actually what they don't share with each other. It's what keeps, it's, it's what's inside of us that we don't share. And sometimes people say, but, you know, I, I I'm, what I share with other people um, actually does cause problems. It really doesn't, and I can get to that in a moment, but what I want to say right off the bat is I kind of fell into this honesty line, and then I actually really developed a nine, and, and the breakthrough happened with my business is when I developed a nine-step formula on how to resolve any relationship issue, no matter who the person is, no matter what the age is, no matter where they grew up, it's a nine-step formula, and it always works if you follow the nine-steps formula. Um, Now, it doesn't mean that you should be with everybody in your life. I'm just, you know, you can be with anybody and and you want to work with everybody, but if you want to work with somebody or you want somebody in your life and you have an issue, use this nine-step formula, and as long as both people want to work through it, they can use this nine-step formula and it will always work, and that was a big breakthrough with my business. That's amazing, and I'll tell you what, I was looking at the time, and I was like, oh my gosh, do we have enough time to talk about all the things I want to talk to you about, Steve? And, I, and with all the books I have in front of me that I've looked at and just been amazed by this, the amount of information, the value you give, I just want to say I was, I was opening before the show started your daily doses of honest communication. I opened up to April 19th. It was just a random page I picked up, and it said, People are more likely to hear our anger if they understand where it is coming from and you put to do. When you're mad, explain it why if you can. For example, that you are afraid or that your feelings are hurt. And I'll say that's probably one of the biggest uh, angst that people have in communication is they don't have honest communication about anger. And so it holds back a great conversation, a great resolution. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to address that for a moment because – I mean, it's just such a big issue. So first of all, again, the biggest problem is not what people say, it's what they don't say. And, and so people say, but I have shared this and it, it didn't work. Well, the, uh, anger is a great example. Anger is, a, and I learned this because I used to be a really angry person. I was kind of one of those people, anger waiting to happen. Now, I was never physically, you know, hurting people. That's not the way I showed my anger, but I would yell and things like that and, and, 
you know, and then one day I went to a seminar and, and, you know, and the guy said, you know, anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. In other words, when you're angry, there's other emotions that are fueling it. And one of the top two reasons why you get angry in life is because your feelings are hurt or you're afraid of something. And that was eye-opening and life-changing because I realized a lot of times I got angry because my feelings were hurt or I was afraid something was going to happen. And so the problem is if you just communicate anger and you don't communicate what's behind it, people will disconnect from you. And so you ever meet people that are just to get angry and fly off the handle and you'll notice it's like it's scary to people. Even if they're not physically showing it, it's like it's rattling to people. And, and so you've got to get that address. And that's why I want to come back to the theme. The biggest problem is not what people say. It's what they don't share with each other. They don't share often their love. They don't share their appreciation. I'll give you another quick example. I was doing a session um, for a company and uh, a lady shared, you know, well, I gave... Um, a feedback to my coworker that he wasn't doing a great job and he got all upset. And I said, well, what was going on? She said, well, the reason why I was giving him this feedback is because I care about what we're up to. I care about the customer. I also care about him and I want to do great work. And I said, well, did you share all of that? And she said, no. Again, I said to her, the problem isn't what you shared. It's that you left all that other good stuff out of the way. So what really trips people up is not what people say. It's what they don't say. Exactly. You know, my mom used to bug me and that's the way I took it as she, did you do this? Are you going to do that? And all this stuff. And when I went through that work we talked about earlier, the landmark, it was that I discovered that all that bugging was her way of loving me. That was her way of showing she cared that she wanted me to have the best life. Oh, and brings up another yeah. great example. Um, <laughs> Go for it. I, in my second book, um, uh, Honesty Works, there's a chapter about how to listen for the real message. And incidentally, somebody wants a chapter. I'm not saying to buy my book. Just send me an email, and I'm going to send you that chapter for free because I just think this can also be helpful to so many people. My mom can be an extremely negative person at times. And so, you know, I used to get all upset and defensive, and then somebody, and then I took another seminar, and the guy said, don't listen to the words people say. Listen for the true message they're trying to convey. I realized the reason why my mom says all that stuff is because she loves me. That's her way of showing her love. And so... Now when my mom gets on a roll, and incidentally, my mom's brilliant. She's given me great business <laughs> advice because she, she's willing to say the difficult things. And she'll, and, you know, and she'll sometimes be overly critical but actually very helpful. And, but I shouldn't say overly critical because she'd be critical, but she's been very, very helpful. And, but sometimes it gets too much. I've got to tell you, Ken. I just say, and please say, Mom, I got it. You love me. And she goes, well, okay, as long as you get that. And incidentally, my mom knows I talk about her because she knows she's in the book. Right, so and still right. the strategy works because I'm listening for the message behind what they're trying to say. So, so many people out there get upset because this person said this to me at work and blah blah blah. Instead of like, what what are they trying to say behind it? And people say, well, they could have said it better. Okay, well, if you were them, maybe you would, but it didn't happen. So. Don't get hung up on these silly words. Listen for the real message they're trying to convey. So I love what you're bringing up because it just triggers um, um, my story about my mom. And, of course, anybody who wants a chapter, I'll send it to them. Well, I'll tell you, going back to your daily doses of honest communication, the, the calendar where you turn a page every single day, March 26th, ironically, is featuring the guy you just saw in the Genius Network, Albert Einstein. It says, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle, and the other is as though everything is. And your to-do is, you choose how to view your life, uh, view and live your life, make sure you enjoy it. And that's such a powerful message today, isn't it? 
Yeah, and it's about counting your blessings because no matter how difficult um, something is, it could always, as my grandfather said, things could always be worse. <laughs> and it was his <laughs> way of being motivational. Although, and I've got to tell you, he, he wasn't skeptical. He's really, um, was a very, very inspiring person. But you know another piece of wisdom somebody said to me a while back? Our worst day is somebody's best day out there. My gosh, can you think about this, right? People are, you know, sometimes fighting poverty, very difficult, horrible situations. And we complain about, you know, our fight with somebody, our loved one or whatever. And there's so many people that if they knew all that we had, they'd say, man, I would trade my life for yours. That's how great a life we often live. We just don't count our blessings. And it's so easy to fall in this trap, myself included, because when you're in a different situ- a difficult situation, it's easy to say, woe is me and woe is me and this is challenging. And then you think, my gosh, what somebody said, think about this, you know, Ken, our best day, our worst day is somebody's best day out there. It's time to count our blessings. Well, I, I've always been a proponent of advising people to travel the world, especially third world countries. You got people in Kenya that spend, what, a third of their day trying to find water. And then you have Cambodians who their average family size of uh, six was 12. And it was all because of dysentery. So, yeah, your, your point's well taken. Thanks. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's interesting because another thing that uh, this triggers is how stingy people are with their appreciations. So I'll share with you a common question people often ask me when I'm doing uh, shows, especially if it's in the morning, like a radio show. They'll say, you know, if I, you talk about honesty, Stephen, if I told my wife how she really looked in that dress, she would never talk to me again. And then the other, <laughs> you know, their co-host usually starts laughing. So I recently... <laughs> 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 So recently, Ken, I um, I had this situation, and I'm always, you know, what's astonishing is that, that people don't think I'm going to be prepared for this question. So, you know, I started down the path, you know, if I was very honest, I told my wife, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, well, I just have one question. And the host said, okay, what is it? I said, how often do you tell your wife how beautiful she is, how much you love her, how much you care for her? Mm-hmm. And, and Ken, the line went dead. I actually thought right. the guy hung up on me. Sure. I said, John, are you there? Are you there? And he said... I am. I'm thinking of the answer to your question. Wow. <laughs> and here's the reason why. People can hear the stuff, uh, the, the hard stuff, as long as we say the good stuff. There are way, way too many times people are stingy with their appreciation. They'll say, well, I don't want that person to have a big head, or I don't want them to take it the wrong way. You know what? When, it, when people finish up listening to this podcast, if you've got some good stuff to say to your boss, you know, say it. I often, you know, sometimes I'll encounter people who say, my boss is doing a terrific job and they, they're, they're really leading the company well or, or whatever. I say, well, how often do you say, tell your boss that? And almost always they don't say it. And they say, well, I don't want to appear like, you know, I'm kissing up to my boss. And I'll say, well, you know what? Your boss only tends to hear the difficult things. Share the good stuff. So at home with other people, share your appreciations. I'll give, that, I'll give people a great, great tip. This is awesome. I learned it from someone. I'll pass it on to you and everybody. Is get a, a blank piece of paper or a blank card or whatever and write at the top, lessons I've learned by having you in my life. Lessons I've learned by having you in my life. Write some of those lessons and give that card to somebody tonight and they will never forget it. Because what we all want to know is that we make a difference in life. That's what I want to know. That's what most people want to know. We want to know, as Steve Jobs said, we want to make a dent in this universe, at least somehow make a difference. And when you go out and you appreciate somebody else, you're basically saying, your life counts. I really appreciate, and it's a blessing that you're in my life. So go out and appreciate. 
You know, Steve, that reminds me of something that gives me goosebumps just because you said it. And it's uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. One of my favorite stories in that book was the uh, the kindergarten teacher, the second grade teacher that said, everyone today, because they were fighting, they were having a horrible day, they said, write something nice about someone in the class. And those kids grew up as adults holding that piece of paper for the rest of their life. Mm. Really powerful. You know, I I do an exercise in uh, in one of my courses on um, and giving everybody a sticky pad and appreciating each other, not like way out there appreciation, but just, you know, saying, hey, thank you or whatever, just to get them in the habit. And then at the end of the session, we share about what people learned. And it's just astonishing, not only what, uh, what they learn, but they also learn how stingy they are with their appreciation. But here's the most astonishing thing. Years later, people still keep those appreciation sticky notes that they have. And why, And what I learned from that experience, Ken, is that people are starved for hearing that appreciation. They right. just don't hear it enough. Why can't sure. we be more kind and say thank you to others who have made a difference? So often what gets communicated is the difficult, angry stuff. Communicate the good stuff. People can hear the bad stuff as long as we say the good stuff. But you know when we tend to, people tend to say the good stuff? It's when they want something. You know, Ken, I appreciate all the work you're doing for me or with me, but, and then I really say what I want to say. And, you know, it's that old sandwich method that was completely manipulative. Say the appreciation alone, separate, not when you need something. Just say something good. Email somebody. Just reach out and say something good to somebody else and and pay it forward, and it'll make a difference in this world. Well, I know this might be above both our pay grades, but I would hypothesize that people that take that advice are the ones that have the healthier marriage, the more fulfilling marriages versus the ones that are stingy with that, are divorcing, or are very uh, alone in their marriage and feel like they're in despair. Yeah, you know, I never met um, somebody who's left a job because they were appreciated too much. You know, I can't stand being with this company. There's just too much appreciation. And can you imagine sitting in divorce court and um, in the back and, and hearing a, a couple go up to a judge and say, look, we need to get divorced. Well, why? Well, because there's just too much love and appreciation in our marriage. Oh, yeah, can't stand it. Had to get out of the marriage. So, I mean, there's a lot of reason for divorce, a lot of reason for breakdowns in relationships. But one is not going to be because we appreciate it too much. We don't appreciate not, not nearly enough. And I never heard a child growing up dysfunctionally and said, you know, I was doing pretty well, but my parents appreciated me too much. So, yep, that's when things started to go south. It just doesn't happen. So that's why it's about appreciation and for us to not be so stingy. Say what you need to say to people, the good stuff, as well as the challenging stuff, but definitely at least the good stuff and the challenging stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, Stephen, this hour is going by so quickly, and I, I want to preserve the last three or four minutes we have by going to rapid fire. I, I'm going to ask you quick questions. If you can give me quick answers, I honestly have a, more questions than we can possibly fit in, so as many as we can get in, all right? Here we go. So what, who, what was your first book and how to change your life? As quick as the answer as you can give. Yeah, the first book I ever wrote was Just Be Honest, and it was actually out of a script I was trying to write, but I couldn't turn it into a really good script, an audio script, so I turned it into a book. And the reason why that changed things is because once you put a book out there, it actually enables a lot of people to hear the message that never had heard it. And I had um, a union pick it up, um, that book, and I actually ended up doing a whole bunch of work with unions as well as many other industries. But the point is, it's a great way to kind of spread your message. Super. Uh, 21 rules for delivering difficult messages. I know we don't have time for 21. That'd be a full hour, but can you give one or two really quickly? I'll give you a great one that often people forget is follow up. You know, we have a challenging uh, time. Sometimes we have a difficult conversation and sometimes, it, and hopefully definitely with the methodology that I teach as well as, you know, just things in life, often it'll go well. 
And you'll end with, okay, hey, thanks. Thanks for sharing it. And what happens is people dissect that conversation, and 24 to 48 hours later, they have ruined that conversation in their mind. So what I always coach people, one of the rules is always follow up between 24 to 48 hours after a difficult, challenging conversation just to make sure everything is okay. Because a lot of things that seem okay at the end of a conversation turns out not to be because people dissect a conversation afterwards. And you have so many different things that people can go on Amazon. How many, how many uh, books can people get or audio can they get from, on Amazon from you? Well, there's four books that I've written, and I'm working on my fifth book about how to get everybody on the same page and how to work out of the work that I'm doing with, you know, how to fix any team or change issues. So that's the fifth book. That'll be available. But um, the four books are, and then I have two other kind of pamphlets. One of them is the 21 Rules and Sharing, on having, you know, uh, 21 Rules and Sharing Difficult Messages, and the other one is about communication flow. But here's the thing I want to make sure people leave with, no matter what. My very first book I talked about, Just Be Honest, if you email me, at info at stephengaffney.com and say that you did something as a result of this show, that you took an action and you email me what you did, um, I will send you the very first book, Just Be Honest, for free, the electronic version for free, all because I want to pay it forward. I want people to do something with the message. So just email me at info at stephengaffney.com. And Stephen Gaffney is S-T-E-V-E-N. G is in George, A, double F is in Frank, N-E-Y.com. Also, my name is on the website and everything else. is info at cbgaffney.com. I want people to do something with this message, and I definitely want them to come to May 12th so we can make a difference in the cancer community. So we have uh, so many other books in front of me that I want to talk about, but let's just go with Be a a Change Champion, Master Momentum. How can someone actually be that person? Well, there's 10 overall strategies in that, um, in that and, and Be a Change Champion is all about, and it's the only book out there that I know of anyway, that, um, uh, that actually is only about how to keep up the momentum of a change. So a lot of people can launch a change, and it can be pretty successful, but how do you make it stick and keep going? And there's 10 overall guidelines, and this is a result of me working with the military, some of the best corporations in the world, and, and also other associations. I figured out there's 10 specific things in there that people can do that are critical to keeping up the momentum of any change. All right, are you ready for two quick questions? Uh, yeah. A book that changed your life. Gosh, um, a book that changed my life. Uh, you know what? Million Dollar Consulting. So by Alan Weiss. That really helped me understand the business of consulting. And it's, it, was, it's, it was and is fantastic. It was written um, many, many years ago. And he just read, um, did have a revised version that came out last year. That was fantastic. There's so many other books out there. Okay. You know, I don't want friends that influence people. All kinds of stuff. And a quote that changed your life. A quote that you used. I'm sorry, say again? Uh, a quote that you live by. Oh, Norman Cousins. Death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss in life is what dies within us while we live. That's all about sharing what we need to share. Don't Steve Gaffney, you have been amplified. You are a blessing. And thank you so much for spending an hour with us. I look forward to seeing you on May 12th. And we are going to have a blast beyond the show. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashad again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.